A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and today bringing you a revealing and frank interview between TalkSport's Ian Abrahams and the England bowler Kate Cross. Ian, through his links with football and West Ham, has known Kate's father, David, who won the FA Cup as a player with the club and the family for many years. And for the last eight years, it's been David's daughter, Kate, making a name in professional sport. However, life hasn't been all smooth sailing. And with a nod to Mental Health Awareness Week, Kate spoke to Ian about her career to date, hopes for the future, struggles with anxiety, and what it was really like having to watch on as her England teammates won the World Cup without her. For everybody else, it's been really frustrating, but for you, this has been a perfect time to get fit again. Yeah, absolutely. If ever there was a perfect time to get injured, it was two weeks before the country went into lockdown. But don't get me wrong, it has been a frustrating pretty much. I had eight weeks not being able to run properly which was you know something I've never dealt with before I've never really had a proper injury like this um but you know on the other side of it it kind of gave me something to tick off every day because I had a little rehab program to do and I could like see my progression so it kind of almost took my mind off what was going on in the real world I guess so it's it's not been I say selfishly it's not been too bad we're all itching to to get back watching I guess all you sports people are itching to get back playing yeah absolutely I think when you when you're so engrossed in your own sport you kind of lose sight of how important it is and don't get me wrong I'm not saying women's cricket is the highest on the agenda for everyone at the minute but it just goes to show how many people have kind of relied on sports a bit of a or their you know way to mentally get away from work whatever it might be so I've almost seen how important going watching live sport can be or watching it on the television so certainly for us guys it's it's been a bit of a shock to the team because all we do is train and play and then it's just been you know taken away from us and we've kind of not known what to do now and how to schedule our days so it's been um it's certainly been eye-opening um and I think you know speaking from my point of view from the, the women's England women's team I think it'll be a really good thing for us because it's kind of given us a little bit of perspective you know losing a game of cricket actually isn't the end of the world but you know, not being able to play it sometimes it does feel like the end of the world for some girls 
how different would it be going back to women's cricket after this? Because the men are going to go first. And I, I was wondering, I'm going to wonder how I phrase this properly, whether there's a little bit of jealousy that, you know, men's sport is going back first before women's sport. And Realistically, the men were always going to go back first. You know, they if in if everything was normal, then the men bring in more money than us. So, you know, naturally they're going to, be the priority because the ECB they've they've explicitly said how much money they're going to lose if they don't play any cricket this summer so you know none of us were surprised that the men would go back first and they try and get that in the calendar um I think it'll be in a way good for us because we'll see how it has worked if it has worked so you know we'll probably learn a little bit from how the men have trained and what not to do what we can do so it'll be interesting we, we kind of had a bit of information about what it would look like if we did go back and there's obviously social distancing rules and making sure we're getting our temperature checked regularly. Um, the the interesting thing I think will be is if we do start playing international cricket again, the fact that we'll be in like a really tight bubble as a group for probably five or six weeks and you won't be allowed in and out of that bubble. So that'll be an interesting time if we do get to that point. Um, but like you said, the men are going to experience that first, so we'll hopefully learn a lot from them. Listen, I play cricket. Social distancing on the on the field is fine, isn't it? Apart from everyone touching the ball. I mean, you're never two meters, even in the slips, you're never two meters nearer anybody else. It's generally at tea there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, the cue for the tea. Um, I actually saw that on Twitter. I think it was yesterday that someone had done um, an article saying that cricket. It might have been Dan Norcross actually from BBC. He said cricket is the most socially distant sport anyway, regardless of whether there's you know government guidelines on on coronavirus and things like that we are actually quite socially distant so it's um it maybe the footballers are going to have have a harder time coming back i don't know how they're they not going to be allowed to tackle or i don't know how it'll work you know talking about football coming back in this country we've seen bundesliga come back we've seen a bit of golf with rory McIlroy. you a little bit jealous now you or not jealous wrong word but you kind of like really wet the appetite even more when you see sport coming back a little bit now around the world yeah i think it it's almost for me made me probably a bit more aware that the schedule's getting closer, if that makes sense. So at the start of this lockdown, we had no idea how long it was going to last, whether we needed to train for cricket, you know, how long did we need to try and keep fit our fitness levels up, that kind of thing. Whereas now I think it's, it's hit me that it's more realistic that sports getting put back on the calendar and it's, it's going to be high on the agenda soon. Um, But I'm not a massive golf fan. So I'm hoping that cricket comes back sooner rather than later so that I can watch something on the telly. I thought everybody who played cricket was a massive golf fan. Yeah, all the lads play golf. And to be fair, some of the girls do play. Lauren Winfield and Heather Knight are big, big golfers. But I'm just, I hate anything that I'm no good at. And golf is one of those sports that I think I should be good at, but I'm actually terrible at. And it really frustrates me. How important is it that you've made your name and you've made your career and, and been an international in a different sport to dad because it would have been you know let, let's say I'd have been taught you in parallel university you've been playing for I don't know West Ham or Man United ladies football team everyone would have gone oh yeah she just followed her dad and what he did because obviously he was a fine footballer uh, but you've got into a completely different sport how important is that for you? Looking back I think it is quite important but Ian, if you'd have seen me try to play football, you would have quickly realised that I've not picked up my dad's jeans in any sense with that. I am terrible. And me and Jem, my sister, are both netballers and, well, cricket as well. But Bobby, my brother, he was a good footballer. Um, but I don't know why we all just loved cricket so much. 
you know, dad obviously did play that in his spare time when he was allowed. Um, and obviously I wasn't around, I wasn't born when he was playing his football. So maybe that might have been why I wasn't as influenced. I think, yeah, looking back, it's it's nice that I've kind of got my connection with my dad. And obviously he's across, I'm across, but I've got, you know, it's not, foot, I've not just made half a name for myself because I'm playing the same sport as him. I, I feel like I've kind of worked hard to make a name for myself obviously in my sport which is nice but um ironically the only two numbers that we have associated with our family are number nine obviously because dad was number nine and when he went to Vancouver he was given number 16 as his shirt number and I was given number 16 when I first played for the England Academy so it just so happens that we we've got the same shirt number I would have asked for nine if I'd have if I'd have got the choice but then I got 16 and I quite liked it so and then dad gave me one of his Vancouver shirts the other week when he dug it out the loft because it's a completely yeah. different sport, making your name in a completely different sport, I think that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and I enjoy it, which is the main thing. Um, and I, I think my dad enjoys that as well because his job for a long time after he finished playing football was then scouting. He was working with Blackburn as an analyst and going around and watching football all the time. So I think he really enjoyed being able to go down to Hayward on a Saturday and watch me and my brother play. You know, it's something a little bit different for him. And obviously the summer, he, he loves he loves the heat. He loves being in the sun, my dad. So obviously cricket's a fair weather sport. So he, he loves travelling around the world and coming to Australia and watching me play over there. So I think it's worked out even better for him than it has for me. We are in mental health week. You've overcome some, some, some problems, haven't you? It's fair to say. Yeah, I had a big break from cricket. Um, and to be honest, at the time, I didn't know if I was going to come back to it. You know, I was kind of in what I would consider my worst mental state and a lot of it frustratingly I didn't know why it was happening which I think was the hardest bit because I didn't have any kind of trigger that had I didn't lose a job I didn't break up with a boyfriend I didn't go bankrupt that you know could have answered my questions really so I had to do a lot of I know it sounds really cliche but I had to do a lot of soul searching and a lot of I had a lot of uncomfortable conversations with our psychologist at England with my mum and dad involved in them at some points as well which were horrific let me tell you um so I had to kind of work out why I was feeling how I was feeling and what the cause of it was. And I think once you start to understand why you have mental health problems, then you can obviously start um, reacting to them and then having the word, having ways of dealing with things so that when, you know, if you have a bad day, you know how to react to it. Or, you know, if I, I can sense that I'm being quite anxious or low mood then I can kind of pinpoint why or what I might have done differently in the last few weeks for me to be feeling how I'm feeling now so um it was a really tough two years and I was obviously out of the team when the England girls won the World Cup at Lords, which if I'm completely honest I'm not, not going to get another opportunity for a 50 over World Cup at home. How did, how did that make you feel because I was going to mention that you, you miss the greatest day it, it gets shown all the time and you know, during this lockdown, they've shown it on TV again and again and again. So how does that make you feel? It was honestly horrendous on the day. I wasn't going to go to the game, actually. Um, got invited as a guest, obviously, from the ECB. And we were put in the, um, with the families in the boxes at Lord's. So I umdenard about going. And it was actually my mum and dad who convinced me and just said, you know, you'd really regret not going in the end. You know, some of your teammates are your best mates, so go and support them if nothing else. Um, and I did. I found the day really difficult because I was really toying between, I was desperate for them to win because I knew it would be really good for the women's game and I was desperate for the crowd to get in and it'd be a sellout because, again, it'd be good for the women's game. Because I wasn't directly involved in it and I wasn't part of the squad, I didn't want them to win. 
and I didn't want to miss out on you know that feeling of of lifting the trophy and um I found it I almost felt guilty that I felt that way so that was a that was a really really tough time and I'm glad I am glad I went I'm glad my mum and dad dragged me there but I remember we we actually Mark Robinson um the head coach he invited us the, the th- me and the three go- the two girls sorry who didn't get picked in the squad they invited us into the dressing room and we sang the team song and part of the celebrations and I, I remember our, I think it was our physio and our SNC were having a photo on the Lord's balcony with the, with the trophy and they said are you going to have one so I said mm, no I'm all right and they said no go and have one I said no I'd, I'd, I just don't quite feel right I don't feel like I'm part of it I wasn't in my England kit um, so I said no I'll I'll have my photo with that trophy when I win it and I'm kind of glad that I did that in the end although it would have been a good comparison photo if I ever do win the World Cup because I you know can look back on that and say see how far I've come but it, it was a really tough time you know I wouldn't I wouldn't wish anyone to go through it. Did you think your mental health problems would cost you your career and your, your England career or did you always know you'd come back? No I never I was never certain that I would come back uh, um, and I remember when I made the decision to take a step away from cricket, I remember saying to mum and dad, I've cost myself a, a place at the World Cup here. I said, if I take this break now, then that's it. I'm not getting the World Cup squad because it was two, I think it was seven or eight months away. So I knew that I'd have to really fight back to get into the squad. Um, and so, and I, I honestly wasn't sure if it was cricket that was causing me the problems or whether I just happened to have these problems and then that, you know, there, it was all escalated because of cricket. And I had a lot of performance anxiety and a lot of, um, a lot of my, my problems came from not wanting to fail and not wanting to be seen as weak or anything like that. And I, I ended up not putting myself in a position where I could fail, but then failed anyway. So it was such an ironic circle. And it was, it was like, looking back, it seems really daft that I was putting myself through that. But um, I'm sure if you asked a lot of sports people, then yeah, doubt is a massive part of professional sport. And I think if you ask anyone, you know, who's involved in that, they will say that uh, certainly early on in careers, when you're still trying to find your way, um, a lot of the confidence that people have is made up. I learned a lot about myself in those two years. And like I said, it was it was hard, but ultimately it then made me a better player when I, when I did come back. You mentioned that it, it wasn't one thing. It wasn't like a financial thing. It wasn't like a romantic things spitting out with a boyfriend or, or what have you so how did you know you were having the problems I um I I couldn't well, there was so many things that happened but in this one specific week I couldn't be in the same room as my England teammates and I spent so much time with them and a lot of them like I said are my best friends and I couldn't bear to be in the same room as them because I was so anxious and on the back of that that was when I asked Robbo if I could have some time off and I came home from Loughborough and I didn't get out of bed for three days because I, phys- I physically and mentally couldn't. And dad kept coming in and kept opening my blinds so that, you know, at three, three o'clock in the afternoon, there was light in the room and I kept going, shutting them and just going back to sleep. And it was just an overwhelming sense of nothing. And I, 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 I can't really describe it as anything other than that. But I just felt nothing. I didn't have any motivation. I didn't want to get up and do any exercise. I didn't really want to eat, but then was eating bad food because it made me feel better. Um, and obviously that's that's the bottom of the pit. That's the absolute black hole that you get yourself stuck into. So there was a lot. There. But the big thing was just that I wasn't enjoying going down to Loughborough. I used to dread going down and having to train. And I remember thinking, if this is what my England career is, and you know, I'm 
I'm doing the pinnacle of my sport and I'm sure people would, you know, tear their arms off to be able to do what I'm doing and I'm I'm hate and that at that point I just thought this is where it can't carry on I can't get through another six months of hating it this much just to play in a world cup if it's gonna cause me this many problems mentally because it was then affecting my social life as well you know I didn't want to go see my friends because I was just so so tired from training in the week and seeing the girls and it was like mentally draining me because I was having to pretend that I was fine and I was upbeat and I'm quite a lively um, character in the dressing room so as soon as I'm a little bit flat everyone notices and no oh, across here are you okay what's wrong no I'm fine I'm fine so it's almost like you put a mask on when you go into work and then you come home from work and it just it just hits you so I knew that I just physically and mentally wouldn't be able to sustain doing that for any longer and that's obviously then when I had that a bit of a breakdown and um, I had that little break from cricket I mean you obviously had to be mentally strong to get through this last eight weeks of lockdown with your mum and dad with my dad my mum's been absolutely fine my dad he's told me the same joke about 17 times and then I see it on Twitter the next day um but I said it tongue-in-cheek it's been it's been a really nice opportunity for me because I don't often get to spend this much time with my family and Mm. you know traveling the world and I live on the other side of Manchester because it's closer to Old Trafford for training so um you know that I think this is probably changed my perspective on how much time I have free and how much I can come back and over to Bury and see my family so it's been a really nice opportunity I'm sure they're ready to kick me out again they had the house to themselves and I'm obviously back eating all their food so um, yeah you'll have to ask dad about that but it, it has been quite nice. Last one I mean the driving ambition for you must be to try and win a World Cup again so you can actually make up for what you missed. Yeah, well, as soon as the girls lifted the trophy at Lords, I knew that the next 50 over World Cup was the 2021 in New Zealand. So I knew that I could strive for that. And I'd probably be in a pretty good place in terms of my career because, you know, it's another four years. I'll be 28, well, 29 when that World Cup comes round, um, which I think in most sports is, you know, a really good time you know a good age because you've had a lot of experience you've had a lot of setbacks you know had to deal with things and I remember I'm 28 uh, this year and dad said to me that he'd had his best years from 28 to 32 so he said you know really enjoy this part of your career I, I think as well having that little break like I said it, it probably made me a like a better cricketer when I came back because I, I started enjoying the sport again and remembered why I played it so much in the back garden with my brother and my sister and you know, it's so easy to say with hindsight that it was great to have that mental breakdown. Obviously, at the time, it was the worst thing that was going on. So um, in that respect, I guess it's easier to say that now. But like I said, the, the New Zealand World Cup was the one that I was really striving for. And then when we came back from the T20 World Cup that's just gone and this lockdown happened, I thought that would just be my luck that a global pandemic cancels the World Cup or whatever it might be, and I don't get my opportunity. So fingers crossed it does still go ahead or it gets postponed or whatever it might be, but I do get the opportunity to play in that if it does come around. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism, and this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, 
the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A big thanks to Kate, and I think anyone who has followed her journey will be hoping that little bit more that she does get the opportunity to help the England team defend their crown at the start of next year in the Women's World Cup here in New Zealand. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening on Acast, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. A new following on show will be available soon. I'm going to be sitting down in conversation with the only man to play 100 tests, 100 ODIs and 100 T20s for his country, the legendary Kiwi batsman, Ross Taylor. <laughs>